This episode of the Red and White Podcast is brought to you by Will Sossaman, commercial real estate advisor at Phoenix Commercial Properties right here in Raleigh. Will is a huge Wolfpack fan and NC State alumni whose passion is helping buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants find clear strategic solutions for their property needs. If you're thinking about leasing, buying, selling, or even investing in commercial real estate, you need a local professional with superior market knowledge on your side. Give Will a call, 919-632-6953, and I'll link his email address in the description of this podcast. Remember that when it comes to commercial real estate, where there's a will, there's a way. Go Pack. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of Red My Podcast, special edition. This one might actually make it to YouTube. We've had a ton of requests for people to put the pods on YouTube. We were recording video. I can see Will. I got a bright red room behind me. How are you I feeling, was, Will? I was not told this was going to YouTube. <laughs> so this is going to be considered a test run, as far as I'm concerned. I've it got might no work. NC State gear work. on, no special lighting, no hat. This is an you get the cool helmet, though. I've been the doing cool our annual uh, elections, our annual enrollments for work. You know, so we spent the last five hours trying to figure out which HSA plan will save us two dollars a month. It's been very exciting. Just go ahead and put the helmet on. You can do the podcast. With the helmet on. <sighs> when we do an official YouTube broadcast, I would do that. <laughs> uh, it's VT week. Did you enjoy the bye week? Oh man. Well, well rested. We went on. We had a wedding. Got to go on a Kentucky Bourbon tour. Went to Chicago. Did a river tour. Let's see. Had a wedding. Drove back in the middle of the night to pick up our dog because she got bit at the facility and had to go to the vet uh, oh, while man. we were gone, which was super fun. Now she's in a cone of shame. So um, pretty good bye week, you know. <laughs> All right. With the people want to know what's Whiskey's Will's favorite bourbon tour. Spot where'd y'all go? Um, so we only got to go on two. We didn't. Well, we got one tasting and one tour. So we ended up. So we went to Buffalo Trace to start, and there was a line like halfway out the parking lot. Um, so we were only able to buy with uh, bourbon there. So we got Buffalo Trace and a uh, uh, small batch of E.H. Uh, e. Taylor, and then we went to Woodford Reserve and did a tasting there. That was probably the best tasting of the places we got to go. Um, then we drove down to Four Roses just to check out the area real quick because my dad in, uh, insisted on it, but we didn't have time to tour it. But he said he said that Four Roses actually has a very good tour if anyone goes out there. Um, and then we did Maker's Mark, uh, which was a great tour. Um, really beautiful campus. It's like in a, it's like in a countryside farm, basically. Um, you, you always feel there's like a one lane road you have to go down to get to it that you feel like if another car comes you're gonna die so you know could be the trip of a lifetime um but the tasting there was brutal it was like i don't know if uh, it was the end of the day or whatever but everything was like high octane gasoline coming out of there i hadn't had maker's mark without a an ice cube in a long time um but the tour was really really good and so we bought a bottle and uh did the wax dipping at the end of it so um, nice yeah, so I mean, pretty campus. Um, the Buffalo Trace 
distillery, all the buildings just looked really nice, ancient, cool. I uh, wish we had more time to go there. So Woodford was the best, easiest to taste. Um, and just the tasting experience itself was good. But, uh, but yeah, there's, it was such an abbreviated tour. I, I hope we get to go back again sometime and actually go see a bunch of the smaller places. What's your go-to whiskey? Oh, George Dickel. Oh, nice. George Dickel 12. That's where it's at. It's not too expensive. It's really good. You don't feel bad if you put it in a mixed drink. You drink it neat. Totally fine. Um, easy to find. I mean, How much do whiskey need? do you have on hand for tomorrow night's game? Well, considering we brought back an entire box of whiskey from, from Kentucky, um, I mean, we've got like probably 20 bottles on hand at this point. We've got way too much in there. I like, you know, I'm building a shelf for, for the wife for the kitchen, and I just realized half half of a shelf is going to be dedicated to whiskey, which is not really what it was being built for. So, How much whiskey are you going to need to get through this game? That's probably the way I should rephrase that question. Well, we have to redo our benefit elections because someone didn't save it before closing it out. So um, probably <laughs> a good bit, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I got a weird vibe about this game. All right, so let me ask you then: What are your expectations? What are your expectations for the game tomorrow night? Well, I feel like it's going to be visual pain. If the over under is, it's like thirty nine and a half, right? Thirty seven is what I saw it at. But oh god, so it's gone lower. Yeah. So we're a thirteen and a half favorite. I saw thirty nine or thirty nine and a half. Either way. So I mean, God, that's like what twenty. 27 13 basically for the game 2712 oh my gosh um i don't know man i don't know what to expect i, I mean you look and like see like pit hung what like 45 i think on virginia tech and then uh the week before um or the week after like had like 10 points you yeah. know, so it's like it's probably the most get right defense that we'll play. It's just I don't know, man. I don't know what to expect. Is Trent Penix gonna like just be an ultimate game changer for us? <laughs> probably. I, I, I mean <laughs> He's, Yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with that one. I saw the teaser video with Penix. Oh, that was great. Assume that means he's back. And that I, I guess that fixes all of our offensive woes, according to some people. Well, he's on the he's on the depth chart starting, so yeah. he, he definitely is back. Um, I do think that in the whatever version of the RPO game we're going to have with Jack Chambers back there, I do feel like a guy like Trent Penix should be able to get the ball um, maybe more often in that in that situation and make something of it a little bit after the catch. So there should be some value there. I think that we've just been missing and having to rely a lot on the Seabro twins or um, on Tootle. So I, I I do like the idea of having him back. Um, I don't know. I mean, Doran, you know, Doran said like, Hey, like we, you know, we couldn't install a def- uh, a new offense in three practices. I mean, it's not, and they said, but it's not like we're about to come out in the triple option either, but we're going to, I can't remember the direct quote, but it, essentially he said that they were going to play like fast and, um, efficiently or something like that, which I was like, well, that would be the first time all year we've seen that. I'm looking up. I was just looking at Virginia Tech's. They've given up in their last four games, 33 to West Virginia, 41 to North Carolina, 
45 to Pitt and 20 to Miami. And they've lost all four of those. Yeah. They're not good. They're not but good. But are we? <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's a good question, right? And, and honestly, it's a good question. We were, I was on the Virginia Tech pod, uh, Sons of Saturday, with Billy Ray and, and Sam, Pat. I forgot who that was. I apologize. Oh, wow. That's embarrassing. <laughs> it was this morning. I don't remember. Um point being is that they were not very optimistic about it and their their thought process is Virginia Tech wants to drag out the game and grind it out and have long meandering drives and I was like wow that's you know us too it's gonna be like three possessions in this game oh that's great it'll be a two-hour game yeah it, it should be quick and yeah I don't know like it's just their offense is sounds a lot like our offense, but their defense is pretty bad. I think that's that's kind of the thing to me. I mean, they've turned the ball over ten times this year in well, seven games. I asked my dad for an analysis, um, and uh, I said, "Anything you want me to convey for the disappointed Hokie fans out there?" He says, "Just to keep the faith. Good things are coming soon." <laughs> I hope not this week, man, but. Dave Doran okay. has also lost every time to Virginia Tech, and I feel like so did Tom O'Brien. So it's been quite a time since we beat VT. I, does anyone have the last time we actually beat them? I think it was like way uh, back, I, maybe like 2006 or something like that. Yeah, I don't, but I can I can look it up. Um, you know, m- my expectation is this game, and the one thing I said for sure is take the under, because I just can't see this game being any more than any anything over you know unless we somehow figure out what an offense is other than that there's just no reason that Virginia Tech's going to score on us and you know honestly the odds of us scoring against them is just not high yeah it's just, I, and it's not because their defense it's because our offense stinks I, I, I feel like this is a game where you know, I mean, we have been pretty consistent in turnovers, right? We've gotten, I think we had, what, two at Syracuse or three? Two. Two. We should have had two at Clemson, but we didn't get them, right? We had two at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, Grant Wells had, like, one really bad game where he had four interceptions against ODU to start the year. And then part of me thinks that they, like, really tightened it up as far as decision-making, but he's had an interception against West Virginia, UNC, and Pitt. So I've got a feeling that maybe the big reason the spread is what it is um, is they really expect us to either have um, you know multiple turnovers uh, or for a special teams type play. Like, I mean, I mean, this... I know they are not good, but it is weird to think that we are favored 13.5 points with a backup quarterback. I mean, we are at home. We're coming off a bye, but so are they. Um, Maybe we're going to be relatively healthy as far as having Sumo and Carter and everyone out there. Um, But it's almost like, I mean, this spread just, to me, I I haven't gone back and looked at what the spreads were in their other games. Um, But, like, let's see, when they were... Well, let me, Virginia Tech has won the last five games. I just went back and looked. Last time we beat them was in 2004. Yeah, and right. the time before that, 1992, we tied them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay. So the Pitt VT game, the over under was 42 points, and Pitt was favored 14 and a half points. 
Yeah. And they won 45-29, right? So, like, it's not, I, I think, an unfamiliar place. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm more worried about the defense, really, in our in this game for us. Um, Savion Jackson being out. There were a lot of injuries last game. You know, is the yeah. depth chart accurate, right? Like, I, I'm a little skeptical. And I also can just see, like, this has, like, a weird... One of those, it reminds me of, like, Wake Forest from a few years back. Um, Miami of last year, where it's like they think, hey, this defense is super good. We're going to just put the island, you know, island everyone out on the corner. And then the opposing team goes and just throws one-on-one jump balls. And their guys come down with them more often than they did the rest of the season. You know, and all it takes is just a couple field position changes to get NC State pretty uncomfortable if we're not moving the ball efficiently or scoring in the red zone so it's i don't know that you know it could be that there's problems for vt that aren't publicly known you know or they've just been really bad and you know nc state should do well uh and then state fans should probably like not taking anything from it if that happens (laughs) i'm trying to look what year was the russell wilson game was that 20 2010 yeah where oh. we were winning at halftime, and I was like, oh, yeah, we got him, 17-7. Came out, halftime scored, and then we gave up 20-34 in the second half. You're yeah, like, that was the bitch. worst third quarter I ever experienced as a fan. Like, no one yeah. came back in to start, right? And, like, I think they had either – I think they had a massive kickoff return um, and scored really quickly. It was uh, – It was, 92-yard kickoff return. Good memory. Man, I, <laughs> it was a painful day. Because I said, man, you can't let... Because that was Tyrod Taylor, I think, that day. And It was Tyrod Taylor, gosh. yeah. And then, man, Wilson threw some picks. I remember just being so annoyed. I think he threw a pick going into halftime, if I remember I correctly. I think so, too. Yeah. God, that was like everything possible went wrong. Um, he had you know, three picks I grew picks up a hockey fan, so like it was conflicting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the times like we've gotten up to Virginia Tech and seen seen them play there were just utterly miserable as NC State fans. One year was the Matt Canada year um, uh, where it was just like nothing could go right. And then um, uh, it was a couple years prior I went with my dad and, like, the atmosphere was really great. It was a daytime game and we still got our, our butts whipped. Um, so, like, I really need – we need to pick up a win here. It's just, it's just weird that Doran's had a couple – rough spots with um, certain teams like Miami. Like I'm, I'm still amazed we haven't beat Miami yet. Miami. Is it though? What? <laughs> he said it's weird. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. Is it? Is uh, it that weird? Or is that kind of where we are? Uh, I won't get there yet. Um, I, I, this Virginia Tech team stinks, but my concern is they're coming off a bye too. And they, I expect them to play a little bit better. If they turn the ball over a lot, it won't be close. Otherwise, I could see it being 17-13 or something stupid. Like, just ugly game. I just I have zero faith in our offense, even after the bye week. Are, are you are you hopeful with the offense performance coming out of the bye week? I mean, it... I don't expect us to play, you know, at least call the opening script like we did against Syracuse, which I thought was like one of the worst underdog play scripts you could do. Like, I get that the place was loud. I hated that game script to start the game. 
Um, you know, but if you go back and look at it, Syracuse, we moved the ball and just didn't convert in the red zone. And just so many self-inflicted issues. And I do think it matters that you didn't have Demi Sumo, right? You had a backup. You had a walk-on running back yeah. playing in that game, right? You didn't have Devin Carter, even though I don't really love what Devin Carter's doing this year. Um, you know, I didn't like that. No Ant Smith for the rest of the year. Bummer. Um, and you kind of go back and look at it. A lot of times throughout the season, we kind of move the ball, and then we just log jammed. So it's like, okay, is the offensive line going to stop having false starts and snapping the ball over the quarterback's head or having snap infractions? Is Keanu Lassane going to stop <laughs> before the ball snaps so that we don't have a, a, an illegal shift? You know, it's just like little stupid things were happening. Um, we should be at home, and you think that that would be a recipe for success, but Texas Tech, I remember being at that game, and the fall, you know the false starts were just unacceptable. So... It's just we, we haven't been playing clean ball. And honestly, we haven't really played clean ball for a couple years now. It's been kind of weird. You know, for a while it was like ta- uh, Dor- Dave was had one of the least penalized teams in the, in the league for several years. And then the last few years, basically since COVID, it's just been just nonstop penalties, defense and offense. Um, you know, it's not horrible yet, but it's, it's devastating to a team like this that is really struggling to convert points. So, like... If that gets corrected, I guess I'd expect for us to kind of look decent out there. Not as impaired as we have been, but that just seems like that's been a problem all year. So if it hasn't been fixed yet, why is it going to get fixed over the over the bye? Uh, yeah, I guess I mean that I guess that's my concern, too, is we all year we're hopeful of tempo and speed and. And I feel like there was a quote sometime this week that might have been it might have been happening in the pod chat uh, talking about um, the offense opening it up more or playing what did they say play faster what did Dave say or some Beck said somebody said something yeah about, I'll grab it yeah something about tempo this week and I'm I'm starting to thinking like yeah you said that this summer so why am I to believe you now like I I'm just kind of at a loss trying to understand what to expect out of this team. And I think that to me is the biggest unknown. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And my expectations, 24, 10. I don't think Virginia Tech's great. I think our defense is fine. They should be good enough to turn over Grant Wells a few times. I mean, he's seven touchdown center, seven interceptions this year. Uh, He's not had a great year. I just don't think the team is there. I mean, Brent Pry's got a huge rebuild. But the thing is, is our offense wants to play that grinded out nonsense too. It's going to keep keeps everybody in the game, and it just takes one fluke play to to change that to flip that momentum. And that is my concern. That's always been my concern with with this offense. And I, I don't understand how people are continuing to defend. I don't know if defend's the right word, but stand up for Tim Beck and stand up for what the offense has done. And it's funny listening the outsiders listening to cover three, reading the comments on, you know, their pod and on Reddit and other places. And then teams are, people are just like, Oh man, you know, NC state without Devin Leary. And, and I'm just like, all right, well, I appreciate that bit, you know, that um, free pass, so to speak. 
but the offense was bad with him, so I'm not sure it makes much of a difference. But that's kind of the general mentality there. It's like almost like we got a free pass with not having Leary. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's like we had eyeballs before it happened. Like that. That's where I yeah kind of struggle. Right. Um, I really want to find that quote because it completely threw me off. Yeah, there's some. You know, while you're looking for that, there were some differing opinions, right? So we've been hearing and, you know, you can see with your own two eyes that Dave is not happy with the offense. And then some other places are saying that it's it's not – Dave's not, not unhappy with Tim Beck. It's uh, systematic, and I mean that by, like, the way they're getting things done off the field, like the coaches and their communication, and I just – I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I believe what we're hearing is probably more accurate. And I just, I don't know how you can have a coach say the things that he said, the actions that he said, and then look at the product on the field and think he's talking about anything other than the offensive coordinator and that situation. That to me is, uh, it just raises an eyebrow. Somebody would kind of defend that or, or say the alternate. I mean, I, Davis meant Davis said some things about Beck and he's spoken about him like like I would to my kids when they do something wrong. Like I've said it before, just it's very he's not happy with him. And he can't be happy with him. Did you find it yet? Should yeah, I, I mean this is from Chip Alexander, who was quoting him at the time, and said, um, Dorn says with Leary out, Pack won't turn into a triple option team, but just execute and play fast on offense. Which, again, like again, we haven't really been executing well. Haven't been playing fast. Um, yeah, that's what it was. You know, I mean, it's. A, I mean, that's the thing is like who who's to blame for that? <clears throat> you know, I mean, I I think the offensive coordinator and you know the wide receivers coach and the offensive line. I mean. It, it all gels together. The only players that have been, I would say, doing their job this year, I mean, the offensive line, if they weren't false starting, I think have been sufficient. The running backs have done well, but the the wide receivers have been atrocious. Here's another quote play, that bad. Yeah, here's another quote that I saw from News News Observer. If you spend your time this is from Dave, if you spend your time on what we could have done. You're not going to get anything out of what's left, Dave Doran said. The pack's goal as it prepares this week. How can you achieve the best things you can, as Doran put it? And, like, the article's paywalled, so I didn't read it, but that was the quote they put out. And I'm reading it like, that's a very strange comment. Because, yeah, like, you don't want to live in the past, but you should be able to learn from your mistakes. You should be able to learn from your recent history and like, okay, this is not working. Let's do something different. What it concerns me with is just probably way overthinking things, but we've seen a pattern of them doing the same thing over and over again, right? And trying to jam this peg into the round hole and it's not working. And you're like, is that like the mentality is like, Hey, we're just going to keep doing what we do. Right, and and that's what concerns me. Like that whole mentality of we're not going to learn, and, and I know it's probably overthinking it, overanalyzing it, but it just it just read to me like odd. I don't know. 
Well, either it's in reaction to, like, you're not in contention for an ACC championship and, you know, realigning your goals and staying focused on what you can actually accomplish on the one hand. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, like, I mean, if it's a can't focus on what you did in the past, well, it's like you built your whole offense. I mean, I don't know. It's like they they wanted to have another 50-50 jump ball offense for some reason, but they didn't throw the 50-50 balls. And then when they occasionally would, no one was winning them. Um, you know, so it's just like, again, it's just I, – I really feel like the staff – it's we said it in the off season, but it's like this team was really close to being like an eight and four or seven and five team. Like things really went its way right when it needed to, and it had the opportunity of playing a bunch of backup quarterbacks last year. And I think the team got or the staff at least got high on its own supply and really thought that they were this championship contender. And instead of self-evaluating and trying to improve and bringing in some difference makers through the transfer portal, you know, they kind of ho-hummed it and said formula's working. And that's been my biggest problem with the Doran tenure is it's worked to a point and then it's just been assumed that the next thing will happen if you just keep running into the wall. And it hasn't. Um, So maybe this bye week was a you know, really big self-reflection point and the offensive staff is really going to craft everything around the exact skill sets that are on the team now, instead of trying to get guys to do things that, that they couldn't, maybe they're going to play some of the younger guys that have actual talent. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'd like to see some changes there. Um, but you know, just, I mean, Jack Chambers can throw the ball and he's like 25 or 26. Like, Trust the dude to throw the ball. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. Um, like, I mean, just just let it loose. You got to go win these games. And like, I don't know, man. The defense was really good at the beginning of the year, uh, but injuries are mounting up. Occasionally, need some targeting, right? Like, you're not playing full strength anymore, and you haven't been. Like, you aren't a lockdown unit at all times. So you can't bank on the defense bailing you out and just giving you drive after drive after drive to go down and get field goals. So, like, something's got to change. That's the thing. Nobody is, right? There are no defenses that are locked down defenses anymore. I mean, if you're not scoring points, you're not winning. That's what it comes down to. And it's just the, the, the mentality of, hey, we're good enough to keep doing what we're doing is, to me, is very strange. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just... Certain things I just still don't understand. Like the Syracuse drive, we I think it was the second drive of the game. We get down into the red zone. We're at the 10 or 12-yard line, and you hand off twice. And I don't care if that was the read or not. You hand off twice to a walk-on running back. It's like, what's what's going on? And if and if it's Jack didn't make the right make the right read, well, why didn't he make the right read? Like, what's Jack been doing all this time? You know, like, if you have a backup quarterback who has a wildly different skill set than the starter, shouldn't whatever scheme you've got for that guy, the the, the plays that he's going to be rifling off, shouldn't he be really good at doing, if it's going to be read option, doing the reads? You know, so then it comes down to coaching. It's like, are you guys doing a good job of preparing these guys? I just think this is, like, the worst year of coaching we've had on offense. Like, just people aren't prepared. You know, it's like you call a trick play against Texas Tech 
where you're going to pass the ball and you've got a tackle just running into the back of the end zone. Like, that's not being properly prepared. I don't care if it worked 100 times in practice. It didn't when the bullets were firing, and there's no excuse for why it did. You know, so there's all kinds of things. There's communication issues that have been implied, you know, which I don't think are accurate. Um, But, you know, just in general, it's just a team that really thought it was much better than it was. I think it was a staff that thought it was much better than it was. And I honestly wish they had taken week two to really reassess themselves after that ECU game. And instead they kind of coasted until they got – to, to Clemson and realize that, oh, I guess, you know, now that we're going to ask our offense to do something, oh, they can't. That's weird. Even though they had four games prior, three games, yeah, four games prior, all the data was there that something was wrong. And, like, that's just, I don't like that this team always seems to wait till the bye week to make corrections. But what's your what's your response to somebody that says, well, they've only lost two games to top 25 teams with, Two really good defenses. Like maybe the offense is better than that. Well, it's not. <laughs> like Syracuse is going to lose a bunch more games. Like Syracuse isn't going to be a top twenty-five team, and they don't they're have terrible. Like, injuries. They're terrible. They're, it's not that they're terrible. It's just I that they're, they're not that good. They have they yeah. optimized okay. to Schrader early, right? And now that Schrader's had to play anyone with a semblance of of a team. It doesn't work anymore. He's going to get one or two big plays, right? And and then that's really it. And because they're they're pretty limited from from a talent perspective, like you know, I think Robert and I is a really good coach. Um, but if I like go look at the the Syracuse, um, if I go look at Syracuse's uh, schedule, right? I'm sure it's not going to look too hot in my opinion, going forward. So let's see. Oh, it gets tough going forward. Yeah, right? They got Notre Dame, Pitt, at Pitt, Florida State, at Wake, and at Boston College. I don't know. Are they favored against Notre Dame? I guess they are, because Notre Dame sucks this year. But, I don't know. They're going to drop some. You know, and then it's a matter of, like, can they hang on? Right? Um... But, like, I, I just don't – you looked bad against those top 25 teams, if you want to use that as your metric. You did not look good against Clemson. You did not look good against Syracuse. You know, you were – you should have lo- – we should have lost that Florida State game. Florida State oh, lost that, that game. Yeah. Right? You know, So, but it is what it is. You won. And so that's the thing. is like, I need you to be gritty and go out and win games. I don't need you to play it safe going forward. And – I don't know. I just, I just, I would rather lose games this year playing football and having having some fun and just kind of winging it, winging it around. Don't play. To, just don't be throwing everything behind the line of scrimmage. Like just, just go out and try to win a game. If you lose, who cares? You are not expected to win with your backup quarterback. Like it just is what it is. And then it becomes a matter of which backup quarterback do you want to play if you're going to go play that way. Like don't go play Wake Forest and think, okay, well we're going to just you know, ball control this game and, and keep it low. Like, just go out and fucking ram it down their throats and have some fun. I don't care if you lose that game. Just don't lose it like a loser, I guess. <laughs> don't lose it like a loser. Don't lose it doing the same thing you've always been doing. Like the same thing that everybody in the stadium knows is not going to work. And I, my expectations for that are 
I don't know. Low, throw I some guess. deep balls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Uh, some of the questions from the pod, some in the pod shall read first. Will, will either team score a touchdown? I think so. Yeah, will it be a special I'm, team's defensive touchdown? <laughs> I'm very confident that we might score a touchdown. Dave Doran needs defensive touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. The record for field goals made in the game is eight. I believe they were talking about somebody like combined or by one team. One team, no, by yeah, by one team. There's a lot of field goals. Yeah, over under eight field goals in the game between both teams. Over, because I don't think their kicker's very good. I mean, under. Sorry, I don't okay. think their kicker's very good. Maybe I should rephrase that. Attempts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Probably over on the attempts. So There's gonna be a lot of field goals. Oh. Uh. <laughs> What's your I go-to? I think we'll score a touchdown. I do think we'll score a touchdown. I do too. If we don't score a touchdown, then uh, I don't know. Burn it all down. What this one? This one's for Whiskey Will. What's your go-to adult beverage for a tailgate on Thursday night? For a tailgate, yeah. If you hypothetically, if you were coming, um, well, if I was coming, I would bring I would bring some whiskey. So I would just do whiskey or bourbon. Uh, I like to travel with some big ice cubes, like a, a real bougie bourbon drinker. And so, um, yeah, I'd probably just do Dickle on the Rocks. Just a tickle the Dickle, man. That's all you need. <laughs> uh, all right, here's another one. I'm curious what our real, realistic expectations for this season. I still see 8-4 and four being, being clearly on the table. However, I think the injury to the QB, not that he was playing lights out, the ceiling got lowered. But what is a fair expectation? That was a good question. Yeah. I mean, we should beat Virginia Tech. We should beat Boston College. So that gets you 7 and 5. Do you think we should beat Wake Forest? Do you think we should beat North Carolina if they can actually move the ball? I mean, who knows? That game's always weird, right? And then you yeah, got so at Louisville. Uh, yeah. Like I, I think we should beat Virginia Tech. We should beat Boston College, right? Those two at home against not so great teams. Yeah, we're probably not favored in any other games, I would assume. Wake at Louisville and Carolina are all a bit unknowns, right? I think we play those games kind of strange. Like, obviously, Wake's offense concerns me, and our lack of offense concerns me for that game. Louisville, I just you don't know what you're going to get, but they are playing better. But if... You know, I, I predicted them to get to Satterfield get fired, but if they lose to JMU and, and get smoked by Clemson, he still could get fired, even though they're playing a little bit better. And the hell, they got waked. To, they got waked this weekend. So, Wake, JMU, Clemson—that's three losses in a row. It's possible it gets canned. I don't know, but they are playing better. So it wouldn't that game be a Doran. Is, I'm a lot less confident than I was earlier in the season. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Doran year without playing a fired head coach. Like I feel like. Probably huh. eight yeah. of his ten years, he's probably gotten one of those, you know. Um, it would be great if his tenure includes multiple Louisville head coaches that are fired. <laughs> right? That would be interesting. And then the Carolina game, their offense is good. Their defense is terrible. But, you know, it's, again, questions. It's more questions on our side. I, I don't know what to yeah. expect that game. That UNC game, I would, I mean, I would just go pure Jacoby game. Less than ten passes, I would be running it all yeah. over them. Just, just push it. You know, I mean, they're just they're just not a good defense. So, I mean, who knows? By that point, you could be 
maybe a little bit more dynamic on offense, but I feel like you seven and five is really the floor. Like if we don't finish seven and five, I'm gonna be just devastated. Like especially seven if we go five. somehow go five and seven. Like if we lose to Virginia Tech, I mean it's gonna be um all hands on deck at that point. Like someone's someone's getting thrown overboard. Seven and five would be a disastrous ending, but you honestly could see it, right? They could lose Wake, Louisville, and Carolina. Oof. Yeah, that would just be that a would hurt. That would hurt. You know, that would hurt bad, man. But uh, here's the thing, on... man: recruit better. Like recruit I hate better. to say it, but like we're here because we rested on our laurels, and I don't know, man. I don't know how you can be a coach in that building and not realize you got a bunch of duds at wide receiver. Like you got, got you just got you've got too many guys that are having to play out of position. Like you shouldn't have to have Keon Lassane and Thayer Thomas in the game at the same time. Yeah, I, I wanted. I don't. I have my phone on me. It's my camera, so I can't pull it up. But the the quote from the IPS poster talking about how dynamic the offense was. In practice this summer, yeah, and how the three best wide receivers in summer camp and fall camp were Julian Gray, Ant Smith, and Thayer Thomas. If I if I remember correctly, I don't have the exact quote. And this is from somebody who's seen a lot of practices, known reputation, and their comments are the same as. Baffle, baffling why those guys can't get on the field when they were on the field all of summer. They were the ones making plays. Or they were the ones that were giving the defense a hard time. And yet we're going with this seniority. I don't know how they're figuring out these rotations, but it's 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 what's really bothering me probably the most about this offense. Not necessarily, hey, you got a bunch of duds at wide receiver, but you're not even giving the guys who have talent a chance. That really pisses me off, right? That really takes the the wind out of my sails. That everybody's always like, "Oh yeah, you know, I trust the coaching staff." It's like, well, I don't because of this, right? These are the kinds of things that I'm seeing that, like, you make you like, "What's going? What's really going on? Why are those decisions being made? Why are you not playing your best talent?" Yeah, why why do you have a what sounds like a very attacking offense in camp? And then you roll out a risk averse version in the season, right? Like, right. If you want to say, like, if they wanted to say, hey, first game on the road, Dowdy Ficklin, rowdy environment, we wanted to go with the go to guys, we figured we could just kind of ball control that game and win, whatever. Cool, man. I don't understand why I didn't see it the rest of the time then. Why didn't you unload these guys? You know, why it's, it was just, you made your quarterback look so tentative back there. And then you kept doing it. And then anytime you had any sniff of, of rhythm, then you get a penalty. Or Trent Pennick's arm would explode, right? <laughs> or whatever. You know, so it was it just seems like they were coaching with their butts tight all season when they should have been, you know, thinking, Hey, we got this incredible defense. Let's just go out and be aggressive. It's okay to have three and outs, it's okay to attack down the field. And you know what? If there's an interception or whatever, it's not a big deal. Defense, I mean, here's the thing. is like, if the defense is having three and outs, does it really matter how many plays the offense gives them to rest? 
Like, the defense was doing their job for the early part of that season. And I, I just, I don't know. I, it's always gonna, I'm just always going to look back on it and say, I don't understand what you guys were thinking. Here, here's the, here's the, there's two comments, right, from one of the posters I'm going to read. As someone who was lucky enough to be invited to the last scrimmage prior to the season, the offense I saw that day did not resemble anything I saw on the field this year. The best playmakers and most exciting guys in the field showed out during that scrimmage and yet have gotten little to no run this season. If you dominate practice and still can't play, I don't know what else kids can do. It's pointless to argue unless we see them in some extended time. In my opinion, the coaches have zero to lose by trying it because we know without a shadow of a doubt the current starters outside of Thayer are basically non-existent when out there. And the follow-up was, completely agree after a 75-yard TD on the first play in offense. On first play, the offense had six straight three and outs until they went tempo. How often do we play tempo this season? Jalen Coit and Julian Gray are killing it. Gray juiced about six guys for that wide receiver, wide receiver screen touchdown and then beat Pitts, who was called for interference, for another 35-yard TD. Somebody said he's dropping balls in practice. I haven't witnessed that in two years, but maybe he is. I doubt it. Smith drops passes, but he gets open. That gives our QB a better target than he's getting now. Route tree, separation, scheme, flow, tempo, general direction of the offense has, have been terrible. But I've seen enough to know that the strong opinion that Gray, Coit, Smith have earned their opportunity to get to help this team. So, you know, read that from somebody who I know is in the know, right? Somebody who I know is there. And it's really discouraging. And just one of those things like, is that Joker Phillips? Is that Tim Beck? Is that Dave? Who is responsible for the complete 180 you see there than what you get in the games? Like, is it game planning? Like, where's where are we being? Where's being lost in translation from practice to this? And if you, I I don't I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to say. It's the same thing over and over again, you know. And I just good for you if you trust the coaches. But I've seen enough to know that. I have some serious questions. I would love for somebody who has access to ask that that question. Hey, we've heard reports of X, Y, and Z, you know, this in practice or a different style in practice. Why are we not seeing this on game day? But of oh, course Evan, we won't get past. that. But that's the past, man. We're moving. Yeah, that's. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, we got <laughs> we got to look forward to the, another screen pass. Yeah, uh, but I mean, like the thing about that now that that kind of uh, vague, not vague, but clouded report there to you know of hey okay we had a an explosive td and then six straight three and outs until we went tempo i mean like that's the season in a nutshell right yeah so many three and outs four and outs five and outs whatever you want to call it right where we just didn't go tempo we never put our foot on the gas it was very rare i think we ran a slight amount of tempo actually on that first drive against ecu and i was like oh okay hey we're gonna put a little pep in the step this is gonna be good and then we just said, nope, nope, nope. And I get it. Like, once you get up several scores, you know, Dave Doran notoriously will try to kill kill clock and I whatever. I hate that. I hate just think time. that in this modern era, the, the I'm going to go burn the clock score delta needs to be higher than 14 points or 17 points. There's too much. There's just too many teams that can score quickly in bunches these days that I think – You've got to just add a little bit more margin to it. And I just wonder if the coaches were kind of just maybe a little too overconfident at times and just wrote it out. But, I don't know, you also saw it. Like, there were some choices that Tony Gibson made 
going into halftime in multiple games where he just sat back in coverage and played it safe, and then those teams marched down the field and scored points. You know, did it at Clemson, did it against Texas Tech. Like, it's it's something that, like, that's just something as a defensive coordinator I just don't understand. I'd be attacking the whole time. Just, I, I, I wouldn't want to give anyone easy yards. I don't like that. All it takes is a guy f- slipping, falling down. You know, it, it, it can quickly go wrong. You know, I, I hate that mentality. Um, yes. I don't know. But at the same Next time, question. okay. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I just, I don't <laughs> understand. To, it'll... The topic will come up, I'm sure. I'm reading these questions. If you were if you were to give an exit interview to Tim Beck, what would you say? What would you ask? <laughs> Did you sign your paperwork? <laughs> like, I don't care if he's if he's leaving. I don't give a crap. <laughs> you know yeah. how how did you how did you fail Devin Leary? Was it really Devin Leary's fault that he wasn't a mobile quarterback? If Devin and Leary had been more mobile, would that have made things easier for you? Was that a big change, you know, difference maker? Like, why didn't you put the young guys in the game that had clearly more upside than the older guys when it was obvious that you weren't moving the ball? What was going on with your red zone this year versus last year? How come you guys wouldn't throw, you know, how come your wide receivers aren't doing the the, the push-off like they were in previous years? Why was Emeka Mesley the only guy that knew how to do a push-off? Like, boom, I just, those are the things I'd ask. Because, like, that's the thing is you watch our guys, no one's doing the little things to to make the difference. And that's why Emeka Mezzi always was winning those 50-50 balls. Dude was A.T. Perry. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's just super frustrating to watch. Like, we, we don't take advantage of things. Where's the pick plays, right? What happened to Mesh? Why did we not Mesh. see Mesh anymore? Yeah. I don't know. I could go on and on. All right, next question. What's the happiest you've been during the Dave Dorn era? <laughs> I mean, the end of that UNC game felt pretty good, considering I was, you know, screaming so loud that my wife thought I needed to go to the hospital. Um, boy, the whole Dave Doran era, man, that Jacoby Brissett game too against UNC was pretty damn good. The, the, oh, the actually, question- you know what? The happiest was the Clemson game. I, there, I'm literally crying in photos after that. I'm so so overjoyed. You know, and everything that went, you know, all the levels of NC State stuff that occurred in that game with Chris Dunn, and then you still win. So, yeah, definitely a Clemson game, but multiple the UNC qu- games. The questioner said mine is probably the 18 class signing day or the 19 signing day. Oh, My wow. response would probably be preseason every year. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, every year, I'm like, okay, this is the one. This is the one, and I'll keep doing it. Because I, I believe at some point. But if was, yeah, if you I guess Clemson, a signing Carolina, uh, Louisville. That game was awesome. The Lamar game, yeah. Like sp- specific games, but in general, it's always like before the season. I will say the feeling of that Pac fourteen. I thought the Pac fourteen class was yeah. the best recru- recruiting class we ever had. I had so much hope, and I mean, we just. I mean, you hit on every single one of those guys. So all. Both of that tenure, I was just so impressed with those dudes. The day Jacoby Brissett came and threw just threw a pass in the first practice, first game. Um, God, that was so great after seeing the the, the crap show from the year before. Mm-hmm. The yeah, moment and then having Dorian Jacoby on the sidelines because he couldn't, he had to sit out. Oh my gosh! And like, oh, he's such a leader. He's traveling all the game. I was like, I want him in the game. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That. When Dave Doran said, 
Wisconsin Oregon hybrid. I thought, here we go. Oh, that might be championships it. coming. That might be it. That might be it. That's a good one. Still haven't seen it. Still waiting for that one. <laughs> oh, forget about tomorrow. Which program has a brighter future? Forget about what are my options? Virginia Tech or State? Oh, oh, for the games. <laughs> Dude, oh man, that's that's. I would say it's NC State just because, like, okay, well, Virginia Tech has so much to make up. Like, I mean, Justin Fuente, if he's getting a buyout, he shouldn't be. I trust Dave more than an unknown Brent Pry, so I, I lean that way. But at the same time, the counter to that would be. You know, we've seen the relative ceiling for Dave. Does that change, right? Does Brent Pye have a, the opportunity to, to break that ceiling? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, know. you know, VT won't have the Coastal to rely on anymore. Um, yeah. So that's a factor. I take NC State. I mean, you know, I guess I look at it like this. If for some reason, we've said this before, if Dave Doran left after this season or after next in general, I'd say this program is in pretty good shape to be elevated or maintained. Though what we're seeing this year is not maintainable, you know. But we that's really one skill position group that's killing you. Um, yeah, I would so think th- it would be us. I, it, I mean, it's tough being a Virginia Tech fan right now. But we've we've we had a bad year zero too with Tom or with. Dave Dorian, we also had it in 2019. So, you know, stuff happens. I'm sure they'll bounce back relatively quick. I assume they're going to hit the portal pretty hard. This is my question. If you could replace one right now, would you replace your wide receivers or would you replace your offensive staff? Wide receivers. If you just gave me Zay Flowers, this team would be infinitely better. Yeah, I don't think so. I do. I mean... I mean, he's going to get more screen passes. He might get take him a little farther, I guess. If 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 Dave if De- Devin Larry had an actual wide receiver to throw to, or two of them, but like this year just, would have been wildly different. Like, there's Zay just Flowers I mean, get on the field. No, what would Zay Flowers get on the field? I mean, that's yeah. I me, mean, that's honestly, there's no way you can. I mean, like, look, you can watch him in all those games, right? That dude, you can't keep him off the field. Um. All right, would you take Zay Flowers or Lincoln Riley as your offensive coordinator right now? Oh, oh, F and A. Okay, hold on. That's So I get Lincoln Lincoln Riley is going to take a demotion to come be our OC? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, okay, I'll take Lincoln Riley. I wanted Lincoln okay. Riley before. I never understood why we didn't try to just throw everything we could at him after they were just you know decapitating ACC teams that, that two or three year span, whatever it was. Would you take Garrett Riley, Lincoln's brother, who's lighting it up at TCU, or Zay Flowers? I want Garrett Riley's wide receiver that he's lighting it up with. <laughs> that one dude, I, what's his name? Uh, Robinson or something? Yeah, that I don't one remember. dude is insane. Their whole offense goes through that guy. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like if you have an elite wide receiver, I mean, just think about it like this: if you had a Zay Flowers or a Josh Downs or someone like that that just actually commands attention. It would free up a Devin Carter again to kind of replicate numbers he had previous years, or a Thayer Thomas. You know, like that's that's the thing is like we just have not had a 
great wide receiver. Julian Gray. We have well, Josh Downs in Julian Gray form. Like, they yeah, the like same I mean, wide receiver. I mean, here's the thing. Play the I, guy. Like, in some ways, if their Thomas wasn't here, a guy like Julian Gray is getting on the field. Right? And you have that rough year with them as a first year, inconsistencies, whatever. But that dude actually takes the thing to the house. And that's what I'm just saying. Like, I mean, just, I would, I, this staff could work with a functional wide receiver. We just haven't ever had one. I mean, Mecca Mezzi was undrafted. But, I mean, the best the best pair was that we've had recently is Harmon and Myers. But, yeah. I mean, I said earlier this week, I would take Owen Spencer, Daryl Davis, and Jarvis Williams over any wide receiver group we've had with, with Dave Doran. Because those guys could – Owen Spencer could get deep when he would catch the ball. I don't care how often he dropped the ball. He had some mega seasons for us. And then Jarvis Williams and Darrell Davis were super reliable. And – we just haven't had really that pair where we had an actual deep threat to pair with those that type of guys. We've had possession receivers galore. We still have them. Now they're just too short or can't get separation. Would you take a mobile quarterback or Zay Flowers? Well, I've got a mobile quarterback now. I've got two of them. <laughs> okay, okay I mean, give me a mobile quarterback to like Cam Newton. Yeah, I'll take that, man. <laughs> All right, my, here's my question. I was thinking about this today. If uh, the other popular excuse we hear a lot is, well, we don't have a mobile quarterback or we don't have a guy that can run. Okay. What in today's football, give me the bare minimum quarterback you would need who can't run. Like, how good would that person need to be? Like, Philip, let's say Philip Rivers is the top, right? Yeah. Can't run. He's your. Hall of Famer, how far down do you need to go? Give me a give me somebody who is not Philip Rivers, who would still command a good offense, even though he can't run. Mike Glennon, like I don't know. That's really that's really tough because I would say like you really do need a Philip Rivers type. You know, you need someone with just an elite, elite special arm ability. To make checks at the at the at the line, right? Just a, a a savant as far as reading defenses and just knowing the plays and knowing what's going to happen. Like you just need someone who's just elite in that capability. And the the other um, the other thing that that reminded me it was a quote from this week, and it was about Bo Nix or what Bo Nix had said about leaving Auburn and going to Oregon. And apparently he's given the freedom now to check down and change the play. And his comment was, at Auburn, I had to look to the sideline, get the play, and then go. And I was I didn't have any freedom to do whatever. I forgot how he said it. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Essentially said, at Oregon, I can look at the defense and, know, and, and adjust how I see fit. And sure shit Oregon hasn't lost since the opening day to, to Georgia and Bo Nix has been playing pretty damn well and they just beat the crap out of UCLA like yeah. I heard that and I, I immediately sent it to you because I was like oh more check with me stuff right like I wonder if how Devin Leary feels in that regard um yeah yeah I yeah that'd be curious I mean I don't know I here's the thing is like uh, Garrett Schrader is like my minimum like here's the thing 
Look how many crappy dudes that can run and have, like, questionable arms, right? And you pair them up with the correct offensive coordinator, and all of a sudden they're good. Or the right scheme, and they're good. Like, it's 100%. You don't, have, you don't have to have an NFL quarterback anymore yes. to be good. You just need correct. a couple tools to work with. Correct. Mobile quarterbacks, man, like, I mean, look at how all the problems they're giving our defense this year. Like, it makes up for stuff. And if you have a mobile quarterback and a good quarterback coach that can stop them from making mistakes and understand what their limitations are, you can win a lot of games at this level. And then when you do get one and you've got a good offensive scheme and you actually get wide receivers that you can throw to, it works out. But, I mean, the mobile quarterback gets you way more one-on-one shots. It just it commands that extra person having to be in the box. And I just Did think you take that's Zay something... Flowers or Josh Heupel as your offensive coordinator. I mean, I take Josh Heupel because I mean, if you can do <laughs> yeah, it. You can do it light, at UCF. Lighten it up. If you can do it at UCF and, can, and Tennessee. You can do it here, man. You can land Hendon Hooker. Uh, oh my gosh, I I still don't understand. Like I was listening to IPS earlier, and they're like, no one was saying when when Hendon Hooker went uh, left Virginia Tech that that was a big big issue or going to cut you know really hurt them. And I was like. Uh, I what? think pretty much every Virginia Tech fan I knew wanted Hendon Hooker, the super efficient quarterback that had won a bunch of games, to yeah. stick around instead of Braxton Burmeister. Like, yeah. that was some revisionist history there. And I was like, I don't recall anyone saying this is going to end well. Um, I, I wish, wish we had picked up Hendon in Hooker. High school. Yeah. Now, I, 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 still know. Can't, I could not believe that, that we took Matt McKay over Hendon Hooker. That blew yep. my mind. And I am the biggest Matt McKay fan there is. Wasn't there a quote somewhere this week? I remember it rolling through the chat that we were on our way to visit Hendon Hooker. He was likely going to commit, and then they went and they saw Matt McKay and offered him like the night before, and he committed. I was like, "I mean, what are you, you thinking? morons!" That was a Matt. Now that was a Matt Canada special, if I remember. No, I yeah, Matt no. Can- I think didn't Matt Canada Canada's recruit gone. him? No. No. Are you sure? Because Drink, he was. I mean, I'm he redshirted sure. and he played like uh, he had some could've. garbage time under Drink, and then Drink was gone. I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You could be right. I'm not sure. <sighs> Regardless, it was an idiot mistake. You could have had Hendon anyway. Hooker, and you could have had Zay Flowers. The story about Zay Flowers, where they were prioritizing either it was either a JUCO oh, wide God. receiver or a transfer or whatever it was, yeah. and you're sitting there, I'm just like, are you effing kidding me, man? Like sometimes you got to play the long game. I can't believe, and then you ended up getting Tabari Hines. <laughs> <laughs> Come oh on. How often do you? And you probably more than most, but I, I had asked the guys in the chat the other day. How often do you see a name or hear a name from a guy state recruited and think, "Glad we missed on that guy." Like I've heard a few recently that, like in particular quarterbacks. One being uh, Jacob Zeno went to Baylor is now the backup at Western Kentucky, and and then Zach Calzada who's Texas A and M Auburn who knows where else is going to end up next but yeah like we were in their top both of those guys top three I think and I was like ooh glad we didn't get those land on those guys but yeah Hendon Hooker is one that got away from your backyard um yeah, that's that's hmm. I don't know. Did Feldarius Payne ever end up being anything good? I don't know. That's tough. 
Because honestly, like unless it's a quarterback, like you're saying, it's easier to remember the ones that really got away. Like I said, the guy, uh, whatever the kid's name, Bennett Galloway or whatever, that's the yeah. one that I, is probably for the longest time. I'm gonna be like, thank God we that didn't. Oh happen. yeah, yeah. Um, that would have been so hard to deal with. Um, if that. All right, next question because we're getting long. Is there a team we have underperformed more against than Virginia Tech? This is an easy. This Miami. is an easy answer. Wake Miami, Forest. Wake Forest. Like, yeah, Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, between those two, I, in the recent era, I think the Miami losses were just brutal. Um, picture a world where the next, in the next eight calendar months, Boo has to hire a new basketball coach, football coach, and baseball coach. Avent, Elliot Avent's only 38 from winning a 1,000 retirement looming question mark. Not really a question. Just sitting here wondering what impending doom we may be impending doom we might be facing. Hey, how, many games, how many baseball games do we play in a season? Forty something. So I guess yeah. I mean I guess if everything went right, he could get thirty eight. I guess yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I he's not replacing Dave unless Dave leaves because I'm I'm I am convinced that Dave will stick around until he gets that damn seventy eighth win and then. And then it's who knows. Then he'll probably. I bet he will retire. I think he'll just be done. Um, yeah, that sucks to think about. I have no confidence in Boo whatsoever. Like it just really feels like he is coasting along. You have. I have no. I. I still have no idea what the vision is. I keep being told by those in the know that oh, there's a there's a vision. Um, there's a PDF that explains it, but. I don't know, man. He's so hands-off. It's hard to imagine how he runs a search. It's hard to imagine if he's going to have enough money to go out and do something special. But at the same time, like we were supposed to have uh, Jim Phillips, so we're, we had a higher payout um, than anticipated for, for the 2021 season for ACC revenues. Significant is what he said. Um, so maybe we will have some more money. I, I do know a lot of the changes or the reason we didn't make any changes or the, you know, the limitations that you've seen kind of the last year or two were COVID related, where if somebody left the department, they just didn't fill the position and tried to coast and cover. And they had the, um, uh, the guys furloughing salary and things like that. So I think we're going to be well positioned to hire people. You know, if, if Dave, the best thing that happened for us is Kevin Keats to leave and Dave Doran to leave on their own, not have buyouts, you know, and have as much of a purse string to work with. Yeah, I'm just nervous he's going to be lazy, is all. Uh, we'll, <laughs> these questions get crazy. Did that crazy put crazy you crazy. to sleep, Evan? No, no, I'm reading questions here. Um, no, I mean. Has he ever <sighs> hired a basketball coach? He's not hired any. I mean, he's hired secondary coaches. I think I, I would hire. I'd hire some young basketball coach. I don't care. I don't really care about basketball. I, did I, I tell could you, get my... Jamie Chadwell? He'd come for whatever you want, and then baseball coach. You already have Chris Hart sitting there, so it shouldn't be that hard. So basically, yeah. you just have to find a basketball coach. My my theory with basketball, with NIL, what it's going to be is you just say. You hire a guy who actually knows how to coach and has, like, incredible fundamentals. And you just say, hey, dude, we're going to give you uh, $3 million in NIL. Go buy it, the roster that you need. Don't even yeah. bother with the yeah. bull, bull – the, trying to keep it 
clean because my dad might listen tonight. The 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 BS in the recruiting world. Just buy the dudes that you need and go coach them up. I'd rather have that than someone that doesn't know how to do it in out of bounds play. Like I, I can't take it anymore. But I'm also very excited about basketball season. Wait, you're excited about basketball oh, season? Hold on, I, I gotta mean, check who's, look, who's on this sucks. podcast. Football's gonna football's gonna suck now. Uh, it's got it's it's the law of the wolf or whatever. Like now that we've been spurned by the gods in football, that means we must have a good basketball season coming. Yeah, law of the wolf. Yeah, that's my comments. I'm gonna reserve my comments on that one. Uh, what do we have to do in order to wake up the headline? Rivers returns to become NC State's next <laughs> NC State head coach. To be what do we? I have guess to I do? probably need to win the yeah. Powerball tonight. And, yeah, probably. Uh, you know, I don't know how much I have to pay. Do you think Philip Rivers would be? I don't think Philip Rivers would want to be a college coach. I can't see him wanting to recruit. No, I, yeah, I don't think he'd want to move his family again. Just move back to Alabama, right? Oh yeah, he's probably high school coach like his dad. Oh my god, yeah. he's going to be the head coach of Alabama. That'll be wild. Are we sure division uh, are we sure a divisionless ACC is an easier path to an ACC championship? Would basically require running the table in the ACC or having only one loss. Seems just about as hard now. I don't think the I mean, most years the Coastal champion has not been close to that record. Um it just gives you the extra opportunity. Like you're just not getting it here. It's you lose the Clemson, yeah. and your season's basically done. You know, and even this year, if you want to be like, look at it, you've got Clemson, Wake, NC State, and Syracuse. So four teams from this were ranked in the top 25, right? And actual top 25 teams, and then you've got Carolina at 21, just because of inertia, basically, from that weak ass schedule. So. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll have a better chance. Here's the thing. I mean, history is a good indicator. We're probably never winning an ACC championship because we're not recruiting at a level to consistently win. You need all kinds of things to go right for NC State to win one. But you've got a better chance without these divisions than you do any other year. You know, I think there were a couple years where we should have been in there if, if we were in the Coastal, yeah. right? And so, you know, you just need things to go right. And State just needs to hit on quarterback and wide receiver. In honor of Mr. Klatt, where would NC State finish? In a, I read this as the, the Big the Big East, and actually it's the Big Ten East, just the way he wrote it out. I was like, the Big East? We'd win the Big East. I was like, they don't play football, right? <laughs> where The Big Ten East, which is Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State, Indiana. Where would we end up? Where would we finish, yeah. Like behind this Penn year, State, third, yeah, I'd say somewhere with Penn State. Like I don't yeah. think they're they're okay. They're okay. They're not great. Historically, I, oh probably third or fourth. Like, Could you imagine now. if we had left and we were the the Maryland? Like, yeah, we would have been ready for that. All that money yeah. in the right recruiting grounds. Like, yeah, are we going to beat Michigan and Ohio State? Probably never. Blue moons. But we would have been really good at number three in that division. I think we would have really challenged and been a thorn in like Penn State side. If you put us in the West, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I think we'd be right in the middle somewhere. Uh, can 
Can y'all have a hypothetical conversation for Dave Doran leaving next year and who could replace or the new offensive coordinator? Yes, we can have a hypothetical conversation about that. Hypothetically, let's say Iowa fires Kirk Ferentz and Dave Doran goes to Iowa. (laughs) Jesus Christ, that's a hell of a hypothetical now. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lifetime contract, but whatever. You know, they're not happy with him. So, Dave goes to Iowa. I mean... I'm calling Jamie Chadwell first, like everybody else probably in the South who's got an opening job. But it seems like they're not. That's what's so weird. It's that is strange. Like the regionality of it. Like if Louisville fired Satterfield, like I would think they would be contender if they could pull Braum. But other than that, like I guess it's a regional thing that they're not. Nobody. He's not really being talked about. It's the same thing with Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze yeah. is six and one right now with a one point loss to Wake Forest. And it, nobody is talking about him. Do I leaving think he's Liberty. a scumbag? Yeah. Do I think he can coach offense? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Coach football, obviously. Like he's winning at Liberty. He went to BYU and just won at BYU, which is I know they're not as good as everybody thought they were going to be. It's still winning on the road at BYU. That's that's impressive to me. Yeah, but he's got that like, holy money up there at Liberty, <sighs> and probably no oversight. Um, I wouldn't get any farther than those two. Like, if I was AD, I would land one of those two. I would guarantee you I'd land one of those two. I would. It would not be hard. Here's my thing. I just pray that Jamie Chadwell does not take Georgia Tech. Like, I I, yeah. I don't think he's going to like that job. I think a lot of people do not like that job. But who knows? Um, same thing with Louisville. Because I do I, – if we're talking about after next year, I do not think – I don't think Dave is going to be here after next season. I just I think he's gonna hit that number, assuming he doesn't you know, assuming we win a couple more games this year, and then and then he's gonna peace out. And that's when I wanna grab somebody. Um Chadwell Who else would you really want? Dion. I'd take a flyer if he was I would interested. absolutely take a flyer. I don't absolutely I just He can recruit he would recruit. I just don't know what else he'd like build around him, staff wise. He'd bring a, yeah. He'd bring a bunch of his like, and that's already the thing. Like, if he goes somewhere, he's probably bringing all those kids he brought to Jackson State. Yeah, all those five stars, right? Could you convince uh, a Lance Leopold to leave Kansas for NC State if he doesn't go to Wisconsin? Yeah, I bet you could. Right, like if, if for some reason Wisconsin and Nebraska can't convince him to come that way, I don't know what's going on with Nebraska's search. I haven't heard anything there. Um, but, like, that's the kind of thing, like, I want to I, I want to get someone who's out, like, especially way outperformed their station somewhere. Coastal Carolina was not good. Kansas was not good. You know? Like. And, and the early podcast listeners will know, we were on Lance Leipold when he was at Buffalo a long time ago. Like, yeah. that guy wins, man. And when they hired him, I was like, he, he's going to do well. Like I just, I think it would be great to get an offensive-minded staff. Like I just really think the thing that's, it's yeah. so weird that NC State seems to think that blue-collar mentality can't translate to being fun on offense. Um, it's just super weird to me. Get someone who's creative, dynamic, and is going to go try to score and put points on the field. 
You know, it's like I just that, that's why when you watch our offense and it's just kind of hard to square because you're like, what is our goal? Is our goal to eat clock or are we going to actually score points? Because a lot of times we don't seem to be trying to score efficiently. Um, at the same time, someone... I, yeah, at the same time, <laughs> nailed the Buffalo or Leipold hire. Will Healy just got fired at Charlotte. So <laughs> we'll take that one. <laughs> I will take that one on the L. Yeah, that's the a L huge L. Like, I still kind of weird how that didn't work out into regard. Like, he. I thought he'd be able to get more talent to Charlotte, which is interesting to me. Just if if you did coach not. of the year right now for ACC, who are you choosing? Oh, I've seen the arguments for Mike Elko. Yeah, which I mean, it's hard to argue it with. I think uh, Mac will get a lot of votes. He shouldn't. They're going to win the coastal. Dino might get some votes for Syracuse being better. I I mean, I guess it's got to be Elko. I just can't think of who else you would give to. Dave Clawson, maybe, depending on how Wake finishes out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'd, I'd have to say Elko. No one's by the Elko. Everybody else sucking. Yeah. And, you know, and, I mean, he sh- let's see. I just want to take a quick look at their schedule real fast. But, uh I mean, they got Boston College. They're at Boston College. They got Virginia Tech. I mean, so they got an opportunity in the next two games to get bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. And I think if they get bowl eligible, that he gets it. Like, I, I don't find what Syracuse has done to be that impressive. No. It seems very manufactured. UNC is yep. very manufactured. You know? Like, it's 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 like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I think you've got to really give an attest, a testament to what a coach has clearly done, a staff has clearly done to fix a problem. Like UNC without Drake May is a like a two-win team. Right? Like I mean, I, I don't think what I don't think coach of the year should really be landing a legacy recruit and playing him. <laughs> I he's playing him unlike some coaches I know, not playing the better talent. Um <sighs> you know, Duke's lost at Kansas and in overtime to to Georgia Tech, and then by three to Carolina in kind of a fluky game. Yeah. Like, that's a lot better. It, this is interesting. I just noticed this, and it reminded me that last weekend, the Syracuse-Clemson game, James Henderson's texting, and we're talking about Robert and I, and his constant players down to play, make plays, and I think you know coaches need to set your players up to make plays, right? It's kind of a constant battle he and I always have. And like the perfect example to me is Robert and I left what left Virginia to Syracuse. Virginia is terrible now with essentially all the same players, same quarterback. All right, that's the other one is hey, you need a quarterback. Okay, they got the same quarterback they had last year when they were putting up forty a game. Virginia's terrible. Syracuse is competent. Like a lot of that's got to be. Offensive schemes. I like. I give credit to Robert and I, and just yeah, that that's just a tangent. Um, Man, imagine going question. from forty five hundred yards <laughs> and thirty one touchdowns last year to uh, sixteen hundred so far. I mean, just like God, Brent Armstrong. Who's, I, who's the UVA's coordinator? Um, like a little guy named Des Kitchens, <laughs> known for running the NC State offense trademark. Clearly powerless without his co-OC. 
clearly. I would I would take George McDonald <laughs> as a wide receiver coach right now. <laughs> That's, That's probably sure. true. True. Uh, not a question, but I feel great with Jack Chambers having two weeks of practice plus a great warm up against the worst team in the ACC. I meant to put out a, a, a pot earlier this week about this. Are you playing Jack Chambers or, or MJ Morris? I'm playing Jack Chambers this game. I, I, we need bowl eligibility. <laughs> like I can't have this year be five and seven. Um, but my thing is like, just let Jack play. You know, like don't don't hold him back. Don't don't call a, a crappy game plan. If you're gonna do that, then just put the put the freshman in. Like, if you're going to coach a veteran quarterback, like a freshman, you might as well just put the new young guy in. Right. I think Jack's more than capable of leading the team to multiple wins. I don't feel like that from what I saw with MJ Morris. Like, I just, I, I, it's too much to expect a, like, a straight up true freshman arrived in fall camp player to, to really do that. I, I didn't see enough to make a judgment on that. I'll be honest. Like I, yeah, I didn't see enough to, for me though, like what are you playing for right now? Are you playing for 10 wins, right? Are you playing yes. for a, a good bowl air quotes? No. Like, eh, or are you playing for next year? I'm in 10 win mode right now, right? Who do I think actually wins five games in that room? I'm going with Jack Chambers right now. Yeah, Give, I mean, right? I guess this is your best option. But all right, but let's like say I you come out and lose, lose to it. Wake Forest. What's that? Let's say you come out and lose to Wake Forest. Are you playing MJ Morris for BC, Louisville, and North Carolina? I'm making a change at that point. I think I said that before. Like, I'll give Jack two games. I just really don't want to. I don't think MJ. I mean, it's at home with uh, with Wake, so yeah. maybe there's some benefit there, but. Um, and maybe limited film, so you could maybe catch Wake off guard a little bit, but they're a better staff. Um, but if you lose those games, yeah, then at that point, whatever, man. Just play the young guy. Because you know, at that point, it's like you're just trying to prevent a trans- prevent transfers. <laughs> and then last one, I think. If this, is ba- <laughs> if this is Dave's best team, and next year we're losing a ton... With seemingly little talent in the pipeline, do you think it's time for a clean break for both parties, a la Sendek? I get he has built a decent program, but maybe it's just time to hit reset. And let's, in the spirit of that comment, like I get it. I am personally in the burn it down camp at this point, but I'm not too emphatic about that. Like. I, again, we've we've talked about this before. Like the risk of cha- making a change and falling into BC, Virginia Tech. Like that's what people kind of quote a lot, rather than the risk of the upside. So, I I think the best case scenario is like Will said is earlier is you know Dave moves on on his own. Like I'm happy with what he's done here. I'm also kind of yearning for more and a lot of the things that we're getting are, you know, more of the same. We're not going to look back. We're going to keep doing what we're doing, you know, that kind of stuff. And it just, it doesn't get me real excited to go to this game tomorrow night. Like just things like that. Don't 
amp me up for football like and the risk of new is worth it to me i think but yeah yeah like it's it's not a i'm not i'm not saying it out of like anger or animosity like a lot of people are gonna say oh you just hate date like it's not the case like it's just I would be okay with it, right? I would be okay with change. I'd be okay either way, you know, especially if he wiped his offensive staff and started over and well, his whole yeah. philosophy and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's two paths. There's end of season, Dave cans pretty much everybody on offense and brings in an innovative offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach and lets them cook. You want to keep you want to keep your fishing buddy fine by me whatever you know but he needs to he needs to get young and creative and take a risk um, if he's not going to do that then yeah next year is an op- great opportunity for a reset year and if he's not going to make that kind of change I'm going to make that kind of change if I was the AD and I'm just going to say you've had a great run here it's been ten wonderful years I don't like you know, the direction this program looks like it's going to go in post-Leary. I didn't like what it, where it was the last year with Leary. You know, you're going to lose basically your entire defense. You're probably losing your defensive coordinator. Like, there's a lot of reasons to just say, great run, great time. You're going to be second in the record books. You know, see ya. You know, but you cannot keep Dave and keep Tim and keep this same garbage offense out there if you end this season you know with two more wins like I, I'm just sorry like seven and five is like just not good enough because you're not painting a picture of a bright future for me you know if they go out and rip off eight nine wins with a backup FCS quarterback you know maybe that changes things a little bit right I mean it's just like you read through his record, man. Three eight seven seven nine nine four eight nine five. Whatever this five turns into, I think is really important. And then how he handles the offensive staff is really important, you know. But if he goes continuity and like, no, Tim's our guy, and you know, I mean, look, we lost De- Devin, blah blah blah, right? Like, you know, I'll be disappointed, but I don't know. He's he's fired dudes. He's moved on from multiple guys, and. Yeah. I really think that if the 2019 season hadn't happened, you know, we probably don't have Tim Beck at that time. We'd probably go get a more innovative guy, but they really wanted to stabilize things, and he went with someone he knew. Um, hmm. Yeah, as well said. You should, you see this comment in the chat? Um, probably not. But Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr., who's kind of had a resurgence with the Hornets, Began training for the NFL before signing with the Hornets. I told my previous agent, I'm not going overseas. If shh, don't work out, I'm going to the NFL. And I was dead ass serious. I put on hella weight. I was going to try. <laughs> so, like, what position? DB. He was recruited as DB out of high school. Okay. He was quarterback, defensive back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I put on hella weight. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm like, what he got up to. Dennis Smith playing DB. That's geez. Can you imagine being that athletic to say like, "All right, my NBA career is not going to work. It. I'm going to go to the NFL. <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to do wild. something like I've never done before. 
near that level. That's incredible. That's yeah. also the hubris you need to be an NBA player. <laughs> that's true, too. I love it, though. Uh, all right. That's a lot. Uh, that's all the questions I got. I got a bunch of damn comments I'm not going to respond to. But, yeah. We win tomorrow. Yes. Are we winning? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there was a comment, and I, I can't find it. It was on a previous tweet earlier in the week that I wanted to bring up. Uh, this picture just kind of reminded me. Somebody had asked about systematic stupidity or something. I forgot how they phrased it. And like getting out of our own way. And it made me think about the Florida State game with the non-working LEDs when you have a bunch of high-end recruits in town that you're trying to flip. I wonder where the accountability was for that. For those that don't know, I guess if you weren't at the game, the 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 brand new LEDs they installed wouldn't work. Like the lights wouldn't come on. Something so. blue. They said something blue. Like it was something a mechanical blue. failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I was like, I just wonder where the accountability was for for something like that. If it was just like, hey, it was an accident. Shit happens. Look, this is how you know the curse is broken because that happened before the game. You go, here we go. This is going to be one of those games. We play like crap. The quarterback explodes, <laughs> and then we somehow win. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. That's why you got to keep Dave. You can't. Up. You can't. You can't upset the curse. He's got something going in that building right now. Yeah. All right. Last question for real. Um. I was on the VT pod, and the guy asked me who's the most underrated NC State player, and he meant that I can think of. Who's your answer? Um, I I feel like Matt there's some Dees. real good ones on Twitter today. I, I think Matt Days is really underrated. Um, I well actually Jr. Sweezy super underrated. Somebody mentioned him, yeah, yeah. Um. I thought Tyler Jones, like no one ever talks about him. That dude, like basically, like started his whole career. That um, whole line was good, incredibly good. Yeah. Again, it's like if you could take little pieces of the program and make an all NC State team. Like I'd take that whole offensive line. You know, and assuming that I don't get like someone like Cotri or Holt or something like that. Like I can't go back too far, but. Like that line was so good. You could pick Adams. I mean Prescott while he was still here. I still don't remember. Like whatever happened to him? Did he transfer or did he just like get booted from the team? Tyrone Prescott. He like no, left he his he... junior season no. senior year. No. Right? No. Someone from you New Jersey. Some... Maybe it's another guy that was on the line. No. To, to Prescott some... went pro for a little while. I had a short stint with uh Jaguars, maybe. I don't remember who. I thought someone left the 2019 season that we weren't expecting. I know the kid that left to go home closer to Florida. Yeah, TJ McCoy. McCoy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, his his mom or dad had cancer or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Boy, I I could swear. Someone from New Jersey that was on the offensive line transferred. Someone tweet at us. I know it happened. In like the 2019 time frame, 2019 or 2020. Um, yeah, I think I would say Tyler Jones. That's like someone where unless you like really paid attention, that dude was like rock solid. He had really long arms. 
Yeah. I'll read you some of the answers that some people gave. Jamie Barnett, which I think is a fantastic answer. Like I didn't think of him, but the guy was underrated. He was re- he did everything for those teams. Took beatings, absolute beatings. Uh, Owen Spencer got a bunch. Jarvis Williams, like Corn Robinson, but I don't think he was underrated because he was all everything. Yeah. Um, same thing with Nate Irving. Got a bunch of mes- mentions. Like he, everybody was on him. Howdy Cole. I thought that was a good one. Like. He was, he was all ACC. Yeah, and he, but he's just not somebody you really talk about, right? Just not highly rated. I do, because uh, I've got that great picture from that UNC game where he's like twirling Bryn Renner or whatever his name is <laughs> on that one sack, and I was like, oh, yeah. man, I'm going to keep that for life. Uh, Ray Robinson, Jamal Eugene got mentioned. Oh, I love Jamal Eugene. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love Ray Rob. He was my guy back in the day, number five. I think I saw a number five jersey somewhere. Uh, I said Jacoby Myers. That was my answer on, on the pod. And it's probably a bit of recency bias because of how successful he's been in the NFL this year. But it just like he was overshadowed a lot by Kelvin Harmon. Yeah. And just thought he was fantastic. He single-footedly saved us some games. Like, he made some catches that were just unbelievable. He single-footedly? Yeah, he got – remember he got the – in two plays in – I don't remember which game it was – in the same series, he got the one foot in with the one-handed catch. UNC. It was the UNC game. It's like at UNC. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like he saved those games by making those plays. Yeah. Yeah. His hands were glue. Like oh, that's he's awesome. Like everyone forgets smooth, about man. it, but Ryan Finley's yeah. insane third-down conversion rate that year was because of him and Harmon. Like I mean, yeah. oh yeah, it was just like, dude, the ball was anywhere in their zip code. Those hands came down with it. It was so crazy to watch. Yeah. His when he scored against Florida State, that was 2017, whatever that was down in Tallahassee. And yeah. he it was he took like a slant or whatever it was to the house and like flipped in and got the penalty and I was like, You deserve it, man. Yeah, worth you earned it. Hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Uh somebody said Brandon Bishop. I'm pretty sure that was Brandon Bishop's burner account. <laughs> uh, Dude, Earl George Wolf was Bryan. so great. People don't really talk about Earl Wolf anymore. Oh, I loved Earl Wolf. I you know, I've mentioned him god numerous times over the years. How he was everything for that defense. Like I just remember his eyes bleeding after that uh, Music City Bowl. Like the guy had twenty some tackles, was just absolutely everywhere. And gave his heart out. Like, yeah. like Earl Wolf is that's a good one. He's like yeah. that's the one you always people would always point back to is like trust trust Tob or trust um, in camp evaluations with no offers because I, I yeah. think we were his only offer. That dude was a. That guy's rock. That guy's money. Yeah. Andre Brown. You know, if you tie into this year, Aiden White is a guy that doesn't get a lot of uh, tension this year. Which is crazy because he's like the best player on defense. He has been the best player on defense (laughs) this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I still feel like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like no one ever talks about Isaiah Moore. Like, they always talk about Drake or they talk about Peyton. And I'm like, that dude's just been just living in the middle, like, just wrecking shop. Like, yeah. that, that's a guy that I feel like next year people are going to be like, oh, that guy was really good. Like, just wait till all three of those linebackers are gone. Because that's probably happening. That's tough. That's going to be a tough pill to swallow. But just wait. I mean, once Lex Thomas is here, play quarterback, we'll be fine. 
<laughs> got our guy. Yeah, we got our guy. All right. That's enough. It's late. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, I told you to keep this short, man. You're rambling. Um, anyway, yeah. as always, thanks for listening. Support the pod. Support the sponsors. Uh, RedWhiteNetwork.com. Will Sossaman. Go check out his stuff if you're commercial real estate. And check out the pod we did with Sons of Sons of Saturday VT. Uh, it's linked to my Twitter somewhere. You can check out the YouTube channel. I'm going to link this in there if I decide to put this up there. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for, for supporting the site. Really mean it. Appreciate everybody listening. Listener numbers have been through the roof, and the engagement's awesome. We just have such good conversations all the time. I just I, I appreciate it. It's fun. It's fun for me. And I make Will do it. Yeah, you know, despite him not having any fun. So Yo, I reminded you that we needed to record tonight and also thanks for listening, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so have a good night. Go back. Go back. Good night, Kurt Nerds.